0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Seeking Mount Parnassus. I am the poet formerly known as Derek.
1: And I'm Katana.
0: Today we're joined by Stephen Forrest, our ast- astrological friend. <laughs> he is the writer of many books, uh, one being The Inner Sky. The Inner Sky was kind of our intro into astrology, and at least in this lifetime. So we thought it would be an excellent time to have a conversation with him about um, the nodes of the moon, reincarnation and karma and how that relates to birth charts and just astrology in general.
1: Yes, Uh, Stephen, you were my entry point into astrology. I had a, a colleague, I was a nonprofit consultant and I had a colleague who suggested your book, The Inner Sky, with no prior conversation about astrology in any way. It was just one of those karmic things, just came in at the right time. And I read the book and before I had finished it, I was already planning to sign up for the school and just continue in every way that I could. So I've read I've read six of your books at wow. this point. And then I did the apprenticeship level program in FCEA in 2021. So I feel like I already know you and heard your voice many, many times and participated in the student calls and all of those things. But it's very much an honor and pleasure to have you uh, joining our conversation.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's It's a pleasure to be here. And it's a really good start hearing that you got your start in astrology with the inner sky. That makes me happy.
1: Yeah. And then when I met Derek, we met through astrology. He contacted me for a birth chart reading and we became, I mean, we, we've known each other many lifetimes. So we were instantly connected again. And, uh, he says, I don't remember fully, but that I had told him they had to read the inner sky before I would meet him for coffee. You know, our first date. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) So, yeah, we, you know, we've, we we spent a lot of time with your work. But but really, astrology is just a part of our our daily lives. And I was also and have been involved in Tibetan Buddhism for, well, I took refuge in 2002 mm-hmm. with a, a lama. So it's been 20, 22 years almost.
2: Yeah, that's great. And
1: it was quite interesting for me. I had already signed up for the FCEA program before I learned that you were also connected with Tibetan Buddhism. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I took refuge with Bardar Tolku and uh, I think it was 2008. Although I, ah. I, it, it, there's a tradition in Buddhism where if you simply say to yourself, "I take refuge in the Buddha, yeah. the Dharma, and the Sangha," you're you have taken refuge. And uh, by that yeah. standard, I, I guess I was about 19. Uh huh. Excellent,
1: yeah. So then, that was another way of feeling. Oh, okay. This is there's something going on here with this person, and and uh, you know, kind of further reinforced my feeling that I had something to learn from your work. Yeah. So
2: great. yeah, it's very now Buddhist. The the underlying yeah. uh, philosophy and understanding of life is is really quite Buddhist, without being uh, sectarian about it, which would be right. a, a disaster from a publishing point of view. Uh
0: Oh right,
1: yeah. I mean, that was one of one of the questions that we had thought of was just, you know, your work with evolutionary astrology. You, from my understanding, you really took the interpretation of the nodes and reading past life information in the chart much further than it had been taken, at least in modern astrological history. And I was just curious about how that came about. I know you worked in partnership with uh, Jeffrey, is it Jeffrey Wolfgreen? Yeah, is that Jeffrey Wolfgreen, yes. And, and that the two of you had developed some of that together. But, you know, because Derek and I work on a daily basis with our own understanding of astrology, we were curious about how did that come to be? You know, mm-hmm. did you get certain intuitions? Did you, uh, yeah, uh, whatever you would want to share about that uh, process. Well,
2: when I was uh, a kid, I, I grew up in a, in a kind of liberal mainstream Protestant tradition. I, I had a good church experience, but I was also uh, reading Edgar Cayce from a very early age, the, the famous sleeping prophet of the 1930s and 40s, He was uh, very much uh, Uh, aware of reincarnation. He would channel information about people's prior lives. And it just made a whole lot of sense to me, right right from the time I was a kid and first encountered the idea. And then, I guess, here's the, the sequence. You know, it's like, Once you realize that astrology works, okay, let me put an asterisk by that and and say that uh, I've never met anybody with the following two traits. Uh, They didn't believe in astrology and they knew a damn thing about it. I've just never (laughs) met anybody who had those two qualities because uh, astrology proves itself to yourself just through Mm -hmm. your experience. Once we see that, once we see that it works, then there are two ways logical ways of understanding that. One, which I don't believe, is that life is random, the universe is random, you happen to be born at a certain moment, and you're stamped with these astrological characteristics until you die your pointless death. Uh, That's logical, but it doesn't speak to my heart. The only other possible logical explanation is something made you have the chart, that you have, mm-hmm. something caused mm-hmm. it. And then the next step, I almost want to put the word duh in front of it, is that effects follow causes, the cause comes first. And so right. what caused you to have a birth chart since you've had your birth chart since the moment you were born, had to have happened before you were born. Now that's right. that, that's not a proof of reincarnation, but it's a proof that if we want to posit, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, We want to posit a meaningful universe then we have to recognize that there were wheels turning before you were born and that the fingerprints of those wheels turning would somehow be present in your birth chart that that's really the foundation
0: what do you think of uh because some astrologers had had tried or at least attempted to incorporate past lives into into the the general framework of astrology um but it seems like uh it's never taken full root as far as like you know like in in the east uh, every other culture uh pretty much besides the west uh doesn't uh, contemplate reincarnation reincarnation is just fact of life mm-hmm. so why why do you think um astrology at least a current um iteration of astrology uh, has not embraced um reincarnation uh, and how it relates to the nodes because um, oh. the nodes in our in our opinions uh the nodes are has been the most illuminating portions of our own birth charts yes. to to strike up the uh the fire to get us to see um the just the basic initiation like oh wow libra south node Libra moon conjunct to south node mm-hmm. I think I may have been um some sort of slave in the in a past life or uh six house. Um, uh, six house. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, that would do know. it. So uh I guess we're just kind of like um the reincarnation piece for us is just seems so um central um but it's not uh taken very um seriously at least not not in the the the, the West.
2: It's it's a very interesting question. I I think uh at the most fundamental level you've you've answered your own question. It's a uh, uh, reincarnation is generally not integrated into modern astrological practice or mm-hmm. modern Western society, uh, mm-hmm. simply because it, it's culturally foreign, uh, let me say officially culturally Mm -hmm. foreign Mm -hmm. to Western Mm -hmm. society. Somebody starts talking about past lives, there's a social tendency to label them kind of flaky or a little unbalanced. Mm -hmm. But that exists in a, a really fascinating tension. With the fact that a, a reincarnation is actually a much more widely accepted and uh, uh, assumed kind of notion among people than people admit. Here's here's what I mean by that. that what I just said sounds a little abstract, but but concretely, because uh, when I'm sitting with a client, I, I want to be respectful of their belief systems, and so mm-hmm. before I mention uh, anything specific about. The south note of the moon and their prior lives i'll, I'll ask a person i'll say uh, I, I i can use i'm i'm inclined to use reincarnational language here but if you would prefer i can use hereditary language genetics like i can talk about how god maybe made you I, I often throw out the line that a baby is born and you look into the kid's eyes and there's somebody home Anybody can mm-hmm. see that and, and yeah. lots of ways of explaining it. Reincarnation is one. So I, 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 I let the client direct me. And if they say, no, uh, don't use reincarnation language, that's fine, I can translate it. But here's the point that I'm driving toward. I've probably done, I've lost count, 50 or 60,000 readings. I, you know, I work hard and I've been at this for 55 years now. So a lot of readings and two times in my whole career, People have said, please don't use reincarnational language. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. And and here's the punchline. One of those times was uh, a professor at Catholic University in, in Washington, D.C. had a theological axe to grind about reincarnation. Hmm. He, he came back to me a few years later for another reading, and he said, okay, this time tell me about my past lives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down to one psychotherapist in Marin County, California, who didn't want to hear about past lives. <laughs> <coughs> Pardon me. I, anecdotal, but I, I think yeah. it, it is at least some kind of barometer of, of the fact that even though officially our culture doesn't accept reincarnation, individuals are, are widely open to the idea.
1: Yeah, uh, that's interesting. And we, we've been talking a lot on some of our prior episodes about Aquarius, obviously, yeah. and then today, We've got this Aquarius stellium, moon just moved into Aquarius, yeah. conjunct Pluto right now. Yeah, yeah. And then the new moon in Aquarius tomorrow, plus Pluto in Aquarius. And we listened to your talk on um, Pluto in Aquarius. And the thing that has been sticking with us the most is this concept you used that we're feeling as well of a massive change in consciousness yes. and just kind of the reversing the traditional way of thinking about change, that the change comes first from a change in consciousness yeah. and that the possibilities for what will then happen are opened up because of the consciousness and not the other way around. Yes. So it, it's interesting to think about you know, what's latent in, in people. What, what things are they close to being open to? That with a small push from uh-huh. Pluto, uh-huh. or who knows, you know that it, it it may create some kind of a a wave of change. Um, but on that note, you know, another thing that occurs to me, just as a question for you, is what have you found? You you've been the unconventional voice, and you're an Aquarian figure, really. And you have done this work and, and still the astrological community is not fully on board with reincarnation and all. So you've got a lot of experience being an Aquarian outsider or uh, innovator, and, and we're on a similar path right. coming, up, coming up behind you. So what kind of advice or what have you learned? What, what are things that are crucial for being on that path and, and sticking to
2: it? that's a, it's an interesting question it's a hugely hugely important question when it comes to uh consciousness or uh, higher consciousness uh, winning the winning the day so to speak mm-hmm. i i my i'm a capricorn mm-hmm. and my son progressed into aquarius when i was in my middle teens And then Mm. thirty years later, it progressed into Pisces, and uh, Mm. it's uh, recently into Aries. That's another story. But uh, (laughs) the reason I'm I'm saying this, it's kind of a oblique way of responding to your question. But but here's when when my son was progressing through Aquarius, I was becoming an astrologer, and uh, you know, of course, living in a culture where. that, that was seen as a weird choice. I was a mm-hmm. smart kid, good grades in school, straight A's in college, you know. So why don't you do something real with your life, you yeah. know, was kind mm-hmm. of the, yeah. the cultural pressure. I sh- should get my doctorate and become a professor or something. And mm-hmm. and uh, naturally, my, my, my ego uh, established defenses against that kind of social pressure which is essentially the definition of Aquarius. It is about mm-hmm. individuation. It's about you defending your right to be yourself. And, mm-hmm. and so I, w- I was doing that. That was my sole lesson for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then my son progressed into Pisces. And here's where I get to the real point. And suddenly, it's like I I realized I'd had a chip on my shoulder for 30 Mm -hmm. years. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm an astrologer, you got a problem with that? You know, it was like, Mm -hmm. that was kind of my underlying attitude. And it was Mm -hmm. necessary for me to defend myself that way. But after 30 years of it, it's like I got the message. And I I began to realize that people were actually interested in it and and not thinking I was crazy and kind of respecting me. I had some books out. And and it was like, uh, I I, I mean, astrology always works, but this was one of the most vivid astrological experiences I've ever had, Sun going into Pisces. And it was like my heart opened and and, um, I began to feel that everybody out there was much more receptive to hearing me than they had been uh i think that was more than subjective i think it was also synchronistic that i just began to attract a different crowd and and okay here's where all of that comes to a a response to to your point katana which is that what we need as as bearers of the aquarian vision is love Love, you know, we we have to mm. get the chip off our shoulder. We we you know, focusing on our common humanity, our common ground with people, like a at a, a a closely related note. In my school, there's a. A lot of folks who are uh, very politically correct, so to speak, and I kind of mm-hmm. am too, really. You know, woke, whatever. You know, I I I, I lean in that direction, but you mm-hmm. know, with, with this idea of being tolerant of diversity, you mm-hmm. know, I I constantly beating the drum that yes, that's what we have to do. But I I I I want. Uh, LGBTQ people from San Francisco to be welcome in my school, but I also want Christian truck drivers from Tulsa, Oklahoma to feel welcome in my school. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, mm-hmm. to, to, to be open and loving. If, if we, if we have If that's our underlying vibration, then our message gets through. And if our underlying vibration is closed and judgmental, the opposite happens, no matter how articulate we are with our message.
0: That's an excellent point. Me and Katana were talking this morning. Um, we've had challenges in our own lives. I, I actually literally have a chip tattooed on my shoulder. <laughs> Good
2: for <laughs> that's, you. <laughs> that's, that's, how, that,
0: that's how much I uh, understand that, that mentality. <laughs> yes. Um, we get that way. Talk-
2: it's an occupational hazard, you know?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, but we've been talking about, you know, we've been uh, in our lives trying to fight the system um, with, uh, you know, being a- anti-authority, um, trying to prove um, our positions to everyone, uh, trying to explain why we're right uh, and why the system is wrong. And um, but what we've come to is that the only thing that we can do really, truly is be in love, love everyone that we meet uh have a loving of uh, feeling be have compassion mm-hmm. and by doing so we create our own uh matrix that that um circulates outwards from our 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 duo and uh that's the only way that we can actually um instead of just being the change uh that we want to see in the world i think it, it actually creates the change mm-hmm. And I think at this moment now, with uh, Pluto into Aquarius, that um, I think we might be on the on the point of uh, being ready to to accept the fact of uh, compassion mm-hmm. and love a, as being just a natural law, uh, w- w- instead of having to constantly fight against um, so many different types of uh, mainstream um, dominant. Paradigms that have seemed seemed so crushing uh, in the in the last hundred years or so, um, yes. and I think that that together um, we will um, not by by destroying anything, but by just being ourselves and and being in a lo- in a loving uh, state will will get us all there. And I think astrology, at least at this moment, is is helping shape uh, Katana and I's and and lots of people on Earth um opinion about that and and a way to relate to each other from that lens
2: yes yeah absolutely and well said I often think of uh, a quote from Mohandas Gandhi it's a it's a this is a bit of a mind pretzel so I'll say it slowly he says the ally we must cultivate is the part of our enemy that knows the truth mm. isn't that beautiful that in everybody there is some sense of the truth of the capital T, and if we can mm-hmm. honor that and speak to that and reach out to that place in everyone, we build the bridge
0: excellent yeah that, that's that's what we've been coming to mm-hmm. more and more often these days mm-hmm. uh, is that we we have so much with each other that we we are able to actually get into that if we if we just open ourselves and allow the the energy to flow directly through us, uh, the, uh, we are horse caretakers. We take care of horses each day. That's kind of our yeah. uh, way that we live. And the horses, um, are natural at this. Mm-hmm. They take in the energy of the sun, uh, the earth, and they, they just be themselves that they, they're open all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, we, f- we feel that we're on the verge of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, it's definitely helpful to be uh, so grounded with the horses. Yeah, we have day. a
2: lot to learn from horses. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, geez, where should we go? There's so many things. I mean, okay, another another thing that's central to your work, Stephen, and that we are constantly discussing is just this small little question of karma versus free will. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, our our stories are. Um, you know, it's, it's, we've both had some interesting uh, challenges and experiences and how we met was very karmic. And, you know, we, we are often thinking and reviewing our lives and looking at the South Node patterns and, and questioning whether it would have been possible, for instance, to break out of a situation sooner than we did, Mm -hmm. or if that was the required amount of time, karmically speaking, that we needed that length of time. I, I you know, I was in a, a previous marriage for twenty years that l- was very difficult. and i've got I've got uh, Venus conjunct my south node, uh-huh. being s- squared by Pluto in Libra in the seventh. <laughs> There's the story <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know, oh, and then I had uh, my Pluto square. Pluto was conjunct my south node yeah, in sure. Capricorn yeah. during the Pluto square. Quite a time for So that it was, <laughs> it, was, it was quite the time and that was ultimately the time that I was finally able to break out of the marriage and understanding the karma and the history and the past life emotions was absolutely essential to that. Yes. But yeah, you know what what do you think about I mean I know your work you focus so much on free will and this the choice centered we have the opportunity always to influence the field and how we respond to mm-hmm. each transit mm-hmm. but then also there are certain things that feel inevitable or mm-hmm. you know just their karmic necessities um what have you come to yeah, at this point yeah. in
2: your life there there are deep waters here uh i, I want to start off at a uh, a very practical level and then go diving into those deeper waters. Um, A belief in the possibility of choice and the possibility of our taking responsibility for ourselves and changing, a belief in that is an absolutely essential ingredient when it comes to evolution. Mm -hmm. If we don't believe evolution is possible, we're not gonna evolve. You know that Mm -hmm. that seems really basic and so for Mm -hmm. practical reasons i you know i beat the drum of of free will and uh i've been in a rather antagonistic relationship with fatalistic astrology all through my Mm -hmm. life you know people change and and that's an observation we can make so uh in practical terms you know free will free will free will um going into the deeper waters uh obviously uh uh it's 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 your fate uh, to be born with venus on your south node you know uh mm-hmm. there there there's uh we're all born in a certain karmic predicament mm-hmm. and uh we we can't change that initial condition that exists uh, at our first breath that's our it's our fate to have the chart that we have and and that's the result of uh the accumulation of decisions we've made, uh, I believe, over many lifetimes. And and mm-hmm. so there's our fate. And then within that fate, freedom begins to operate. You know, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're free to begin to recognize the fate. You're begin, free to mm-hmm. begin to recognize certain limiting assumptions that you're making, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why am I feeling insecure here why am i angry here why am i possessive here you know as as we begin to recognize we've been conditioned by the prior life stuff and there's another way that we might respond and that's where where freedom comes in and and it can gather tremendous momentum uh and you know by the end of life uh, maybe we have liberated ourselves from that that karmic pattern now if If what I've just said was uh, not true, then it would follow that nobody would ever change or grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, there it is, just pure logic. If we are not free to change and grow, if we're completely overdetermined by our karma, nobody would change and grow and then i just like to follow that with one more question just think of how dumb you were 10 years ago <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you no know, it makes exactly. everybody laugh but you know it's not an insult it means like you know you've learned something in 10 years mm-hmm. or 20 years you're a wiser person human growth is it's the basis of many philosophies of course but it's not a philosophical concept people do grow people do change and that in itself is a proof of the existence of free will, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. We we often think, um, you know, w- we have personal connections with other people, and uh, one of the things we always struggle with ourselves and uh, relating to them is: is it possible to give any type of guidance to to people that are are personally um, in our lives? Or are they only going to be able to get out of their own karma in their own time based on their own free will and choices? Or, you know, like if someone would have told me uh, five, 10 years ago, I don't know if you're making the right choices. Maybe you should think about it. Would I have been able to understand that and do something? Mm -hmm. Or are you trapped in in that karma until it burns up, mm-hmm. and your own soul and your own free will is is the only thing that can propel you out of that um, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. situation. Yeah,
2: you know, it's a again deep waters here. Uh, there's a a statement we we often hear people make, and it, it, they often treat it as a truism. And it's that uh, you can't change anybody; people have to change themselves. Mm-hmm. And it, it's worth saying, you know, because. Ultimately, if you don't want to change, you're not going to change. But mm-hmm. you know, it's like uh, I counter that by, by just simply affirming from my own experience, I, I, I have been helped by people. I, I've been mm-hmm. touched by people. I've been changed. Mm-hmm. You know, love mm-hmm. has made a difference in my life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not unique in this you know almost anybody I, I suspect would nod their head and agree and I think we we are capable through through love and wisdom of having an impact on other people and being impacted ourselves and so I, I, that's too precious a thing for me to dismiss with glib affirmations like you know nobody changes anybody I think we do change each other all the time but for the change to to take you know it it takes two people to do it It takes two to tango Hmm.
1: yeah i mean that that's a question too as an astrologer when i finished the apprenticeship level program i did start a small practice to see i I wanted to blend together my work with horses and my work with astrology and i did that for about a year and a half i think Um, And I would look at horse charts sometimes, too, and the person's chart and and helping people that way. And I learned a lot, and and it was fun, but I found it to be somewhat just unfulfilling um, for me. I I have an eighth house sun, Mm -hmm. and I've got a big Sagittarius stellium. It's Uranus, sun, moon, Neptune. Oh, (laughs) yeah,
2: that's a lot of Sag.
1: So I think my path is more philosophical than it is necessarily, you know, a one-to-one consult. But I thought about that with you because you do you've you said you've had fifty thousand consults with people. Does it do you find that the the consult, especially if it's the one time birth consult, I'm sure a lot of people come back to you yeah. over time, but does it make a difference? Do you feel like someone with no prior astrological knowledge or study will it change them or will it i mean obviously you you believe it helps them or you wouldn't be doing it but i was just curious what what you were thinking about that at this point in your career
2: you know the the truth of it is often uh i i don't know you know I, I, i i do a reading for somebody whether they're here or i've recorded it and uh you know do they take it in does it change them? Does it go in on one ear and out the other? Uh, oh, all I can do is do my best and practice my mm-hmm. craft with hopefully skill and, and love. Um, I do get uh, often, in fact more often than not, feedback from people that's mm-hmm. uh, appreciative and, and often includes uh, references to concrete changes they've made in their lives, uh, you know, based upon on the the work that I've done. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I do have some objective reason to to think it is making a difference, at least for mm-hmm. some people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, an, another question we've been discussing, and, and it relates to the school, is about initiation and, and the importance of getting initiated into something that's sacred. You know, we, we view astrology as a sacred art, or a, it's a spiritual practice, obviously, and that there is a some sort of need for initiation or uh, learning the language before you can really fully integrate and and benefit from it. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, with, with your school, what do you what what are you hoping to do with the school and 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 the legacy
2: yeah, well, there it is. The word legacy pretty much says it uh you know i'm I'm seventy five and famously nobody lives forever and uh, <laughs> I, I want to uh I, I want to, this this flame to keep burning and so the school and my earlier apprenticeship programs that i I started when I was about fifty are are all an attempt to to kind of Pass on this knowledge to initiate people into this pr- particular system of approach to astrology mm-hmm. that i've I've kind of created or pioneered and 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 so uh, unabashedly in in my school my my aim is to clone myself you know and uh, that, that, that sounds a little suspect, but that's, it's kind of what i'm doing and then uh, you know i say that, but then I also add. Once I've transmitted this approach to the students, uh, you know, I applaud them growing and moving off in new directions and discovering things that I don't know. Uh, so we're pretty rigid about the Stephen Forrest method, uh, and and but then the idea is once you're launched, you know, uh, be fruitful, multiply, explore. You know, find your own students and your own path. It's uh, there, when I was first hearing your your question, though, Katana, I I had to smile a little bit as I thought about it. I I totally believe in this idea of uh, of initiation of of traditions that are passed down in in a, in a lineage over over centuries. that's a beautiful thing, but the, the the part that made me smile is it really wasn't my story at all. Uh, I, I have Saturn on the Midheaven. I'm a Capricorn, mm-hmm. so the, the hermit energy, the solitude energy is strong and 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 so just one line here I, I, I had just published my my second book when I met for the first time another professional astrologer. I, I had no, uh, no astrological initiation or training at all. It was completely from books and, and from my experience with my clients uh, until I was pretty well established as an author. It's just the uniqueness of, of my own path. It was very solitary.
1: Yeah, although I would still call that an initiation because you you initiated yourself or the tradition initiated you yeah. by you spending the time with it and and understanding it, working yeah. it in in your life.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. And I'm also uh, you know quite convinced that this is not my first lifetime as an astrologer. I I, right. I think those initiations probably go way way back. Definitely.
0: Yeah, we've we've. Um we've initiated ourselves with many different things throughout our lives. Um, Katana with Buddhism. Um, I've spent a lot of different times with different types of traditions, uh, always seeking the truth. Um, I have Mars and Gemini and I I feel that um, I've had uh, a chip on my shoulder related to (laughs) gurus, Mm, teachers, uh, and information. And um, our... Um, way that we go about astrology is um, we kind of just we're hermit style Mm -hmm. at this moment you know we don't really uh, take in any too much information uh, outside information we try to just watch the stars ourselves and then how does the the moon feel to us today by direct observation and one thing that we keep coming back to with each other is that is it possible to to have, uh, you know, is the guru necessary? Uh, like in the, the case of Ram Das and uh, Maharishi, mm-hmm. they, uh, there, there was a direct transmission between Ram Das and, uh, and Maharishi. And, and the, the transmission was love is the truth, basically. Yes, and uh, yes. Ram, Ram Das uh, uh, discovered that and, and went on to be a, a great teacher. But um it seems to us that the the truth actually is free and, and anyone can access the, the information it it's not a hidden mm-hmm. uh, but it is it does take uh, an an initiation of some kind um that that propels you into this um this way of life, which I think um is something worth saving uh for for the future uh, that's our whole concept with this podcast yeah and, yes. and our work uh, seeking mount parnassus we're we're trying to to grab on to the shiny diamonds of of the human race at least up to this point and and save it for the flood if there were to be one uh so that we can um have another uh, iteration of, of life on earth that that matters yes, um, yes so our our basic philosophy is that you are your own guru And the truth is free and can be uh, transmitted to you, but that you will have to, uh, one of the key principles to that is direct action and um, initiation. Um, Because without it, uh, oftentimes, at least from our own standpoint, you get trapped into karmic patterns and uh, unconscious living. Um, So, yeah, I guess we're kind of just trying to figure that out for ourselves and see what we can do with it to... um, to, to be standing on the shoulders of giants uh, mm-hmm. and take forth uh, what has been taught so far and, and, and have something to say, you know?
2: Yes, yes. You know, I can respond to that in a, in a pretty rigorous way just by u- use, using the uh, essential message of astrology as, as mm-hmm. the template. I'd start off by saying that uh, you know, a phrase we, we hear all the time, the spiritual path. And mm-hmm. and and yet when we start to look at the world through the astrological lens, we realize that there isn't really a single spiritual path. There there are many different paths for different people. Mm-hmm. Uh and and they're reflected in your individual birth chart, what uh mm-hmm. what the Buddhists would call uh skillful means, you know, like Good aspirations are wonderful, but uh, uh, use the right method, and and you're burning rocket fuel. And and your mm-hmm. your birth chart describes the, the 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 particular path that will be the most bang for the buck for you in this life, so to speak. Now, within that context, when we think of, of gurus and transmission from one human being to another, uh, that's 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 sixth house symbolism. Or, or Virgo the sixth sign can be related mm-hmm. to it that that's the symbol for the the, the master disciple kind of relationship and uh, somebody might have a really strong focus on on that kind of symbolism and for them to meet a master teacher it's something passes directly from from the master into the disciple and it's like do not pass, go, do not go to jail. You know, it's like a warp drive. For another person, uh, it it might be a pointless experience. They they might not really get anything from meeting the master. I I remember, uh, Derek, you mentioned a south node in the sixth house in your natal chart. As, yep, South Node in
0: Libra in the 6th, yeah. and I have Moon in the 6th in Libra as well. Yeah,
2: okay. So it's North Node then in the 12th house. And, yep. and, and thus for you, it's like time for you to walk away from the Guru. You've probably had such initiations in prior lives, but time for you to go 12th house, you know, climb the mountain by yourself and sit on it and trust your direct experience but we we could find somebody with the nodes reversed where where they actually have come to a point where they benefit enormously from from meeting Ram Das if you were still around for example it's it's just different paths for different people
0: yeah excellent yeah we we definitely um I have a 12th Sun with uh, Mercury and Pisces in the 12th and Jupiter and Aries in the 12th and North Node and Aries <laughs> in the 12th. So, <laughs> a lot of action going on. Go
2: find a mountain and sit on
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> First
1: climb the mountain yeah, with yeah. no rope uh-huh. and then, yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, I think that that was important for me when I found the inner sky, Stephen. You know, coming from the Buddhist background, there's all this information and there are all these things about the spiritual path, but there's nothing specific to you as an individual. Yeah. And, you know, I did, I did learn from directly from many different lamas. Some of them were pretty high up in the lineage and I received all kinds of different initiations in their system. And I absolutely benefited from it and learned from it, but I often struggled with understanding my own life and what i was doing and finding my own path so i think what you just said is one of the things about astrology that we both find to be incredibly helpful Mm -hmm. and unique in that everyone does have a different path yes there isn't there isn't a one size fits all everybody needs zen meditation everybody needs uh christian works everyone you know i mean it's different, it's different for each of us yeah. and and that's ex- extremely helpful. Yes. Insight.
2: yeah that's uh, you're you're preaching of the choir here that you know that's the essence of uh, that's the message of my heart with astrology, mm-hmm. all the words you just said it's we we have this uh change in the culture of you know people are. Often turning away from the conventional religions, and mm-hmm. we have more and more people who identify as spiritual but not religious. Mm-hmm. And uh, astrology is so custom designed to to mm-hmm. speak to those people, you know to 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 help aim them in a in a direction that's meaningful for them. So instead of some vague sense that there's more going on than this three-dimensional world, we begin to say, you know, well, yeah, but here's where you put your foot next on that path. You mm-hmm. know, here's what's mm-hmm. going to work for you. And, and then don't take it on faith. Try it and, right. and mm-hmm. observe. And if it works, you'll, you'll know it. If it doesn't work, you'll know it. But with astrology, we know it's going to work.
0: Yeah, that's definitely been something that has shaped our uh, way of experiencing our daily lives. We we just did a uh, episode and we were talking about uh, I think the other day Uranus was doing something with Mars. We were driving. Oh and, yeah,
1: I think Uranus was trying Mars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and and we we're just uh, driving and these two motorcyclists uh, were driving crazy, <laughs> and uh, we we're like, oh my god, what's going on? Um, but knowing that you know the the transits that were happening, we were like, oh well. That's how it is you know each person is gonna gonna do what they will with the energy even if they're not aware of it. but uh, it's so helpful in our case um, to to be aware of it because once you become aware, then it's like once you know that there is something, the the thing starts to know you as well yeah and, and you can you can become even more um, in tune with actually what's happening um, uh, on a more uh, deep meaningful, level than than you could could have done with just base uh knowledge yeah
2: beautiful i think of uh a mars mars uranus kind of combination i i I could imagine someone responds really positively to that energy by deciding to jump out of an airplane to skydive for the first time you know it's it's a dashing edgy kind of slightly crazy thing to do that's mars uranus energy and and I, i could imagine you know the parachute opens and they're descending and there's two people kind of piously meditating down on the ground they look up and they, they think you know look at, look at that fool wasting this <laughs> precious human incarnation for 5 minutes of cheap thrill you know but what this person has just done is it's like they've they've in and, a and psychologically they've leapt to their death you know in a spirit mm-hmm. of faith now hopefully the parachute opens they're not going to die <laughs> but you know what you feel like when you're jumping out of an airplane and and what what a a spiritual breakthrough that person Mm -hmm. might be experiencing through that that Mm -hmm. act of courage and and faith. And it's a different person who lands on the ground than the one who got out of bed that morning. And and so I I love that way of thinking where we take something as apparently worldly as skydiving and realize it can be a a spiritual practice for, for somebody. It might not be for for me or for you but for well with your airy stuff in the twelve thousand, maybe you should <laughs> jump out of an airplane but <laughs> you see again it's a point that that the the chart shows a path and and it might not work for somebody else but it will work for you
0: definitely
1: yeah i mean i think also the symbolism and just understanding how to work with symbolism and knowing that the soul works in symbols everything is symbolic so the the jumping out of the airplane isn't just jumping out of the airplane if you if you have that awareness it might be something very deep in your soul that needs that feeling of Mm -hmm. reclaiming courage or being able to do something you weren't able to do before or i mean who knows but i think that's another thing that is beautiful about astrology. Yeah. It's it's poetic, yeah. and once you understand the symbols, you can start seeing. There's so many times where we'll be having different conversations, and then we'll we'll look at the charts and we'll see, you know, Pluto opposing Venus, and it's the perfect symbolism for <laughs> transformation yeah. through love. Or you know, I think it's just that's the way that the the initiation into the language and into that symbolic way of thinking. Yes, then. Yes. Just expands. It expands your creativity, and it expands your experience of life, and gives it much more meaning. Really. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Beautifully said. I, 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 there's a line that I find myself often using when I'm teaching. It's that symbolism is not literalism. Just, mm-hmm. just that phrase. That, that. Right. Uh, Nothing. Nothing that we can say in astrological language has only one meaning. It's it's m- more like poetry or or a dream. Mm-hmm. It's not so vague. It could mean anything, but it represents a a broad range of possibilities. So ju- just to concretize that, uh, somebody experiencing uh, a Uranus Mars interaction. Uh, one illustration, jumping out of an airplane. But here's another story. Let's imagine there's a, 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 a heterosexual woman who uh, finds herself attracted to a man who doesn't seem to be noticing her. And she boldly approaches him. She, she asks him for a date, let's say. And, and of course, she, she's scared, you know, just like the person jumping out of an airplane. There are people who think she's a little crazy, I mean, because the boy is supposed to ask the girl, I mean, if people still believe that. But, you know, she (laughs) she is breaking out of some kind of cultural uh, training. That's the Uranian signature. And and so Mm -hmm. we have a woman asking a man for a date, and we have somebody jumping out of an airplane, and they seem like two totally different things, and yet they could both be symbolized by the Mm -hmm. Uranus-Mars interaction. Symbolism isn't literalism nothing has just one meaning it's all about consciousness and and what we're going to learn and here it's like break the rules and be brave there there's there's the synthesis there's the integration of the uranus and the mars break the rules uranus be brave mars how many ways could we do that how many ways could we get that right it's practically infinite
0: excellent yeah definitely we we're um on the verge of, uh, I think Jupiter and Uranus are going to have a conjunction Mm -hmm. in Taurus in in, uh, In April. April 20th. Yeah. And we're uh, kind of like on the edge with Pluto just going into Aquarius. So we have this, this feeling and this, um, this energy that it might be possible for a new way to be on earth, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so we're um each day kind of deciding how should we um prepare ourselves and how should we um what should we do should we write should we do some writing should we uh, do some art should we do some uh some events you know but what we've what we've come to that we keep coming to is that it seems like what we should do is be ourselves as much as possible and go towards the things that that give us love um The most, and by doing those things, uh, the universe responds to that, and and then we get what what we put out there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're we're definitely wondering uh, about um, the symbolism and how we can, um, I guess, take the symbolism and do something with it. Mm. That's what we're, we're. we're struggling with. We've got a twelfth house sun and an eighth house sun, and mm-hmm. it's like, we how deep can we go, yeah. and will anyone understand anything we have to say? Uh, that's
2: that's deep waters with the eighth house and the twelfth house. But the the Uranus Jupiter uh, interaction, it's it's an interesting thing. Here's here's one take on it. We start off with the classic idea that Jupiter is lucky, uh, but mm-hmm. you have to be careful there. It's like. Uh, your uranium energy—it's always about thinking for yourself, you know, thinking outside the box, and mm-hmm. and and so just to, to start with, uh, just a very simple idea, almost cartoonish idea, that uh, everybody—in quotes, you know—in in in the Western world, probably the Asian world too—imagines that if only they were rich, they would be really happy. You know, it's, it's not the world's most original attitude, but, you know, most people wouldn't mm-hmm. mind, you know, having 10 million extra dollars. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and yet we recognize, I mean, simple question. So therefore, uh, all the rich people in the world are happy all the time? Well, no, <laughs> you know, and it's like everybody knows that too. And yet this belief system that if only I had money, I'd be happy persists mm-hmm. and and it's so ubiquitous that it's like children are trained you know to believe that mm-hmm. o- okay so uranian energy comes in and it's really about thinking for yourself and and so as this conjunction occurs and much will depend on where it falls in your chart what house it's in i mean we can really focus things by by bringing in that individual information but but here's the here's the kind of universal take away with it. So what's going to make me happy? I'm aware that in order to answer that question and thus have a shot at happiness, I'm going to have to cut through the veil of some training I've had about what will allegedly make me happy. It's mm-hmm. like I'm gonna to be happy here to get the benefit of the Jupiter. I'm gonna have to break the rules. I'm I'm gonna have to mm. think outside the box and 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 so uh, there's somebody uh, I make this up. Somebody with Jupiter Uranus conjunction. It's gonna happen under their heaven cusp of the 10th house, so maybe it's going to be connected to their career or their status in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's happening. And this person is thinking, if only I had more money, how happy I would be. <laughs> and then, then they, they think outside the box and they realize, you know, if only I needed less money, if I had the same amount of money, but I needed less, I would feel rich. I wouldn't have the anxiety of thinking I don't have enough. So, maybe I should quit my job in New York City and move to Croatia. Ah. (laughs) Now, again, there are many possibilities, but, but you know, there would be an example of somebody breaking out of a conventional way of imagining a path to happiness and realizing Maybe I've been thinking about this all wrong. Maybe there's an entirely different way for me to go about this. And the person moves to Croatia and lives happily ever after.
0: Hmm.
1: And perhaps with the Taurus energy, there will be the, the, the materialism, the material world. I was thinking about that while you were talking, Stephen. Yeah. Too yeah. the money, material things, comforts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that will be an opportunity to break some of the materialist
2: obsession exactly exactly it's a breaking out of the 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 conventional uh, one-size-fits-all map to happiness Mm -hmm. and materialism is of course absolutely common to that one
0: yeah we've definitely been trying to break out of that uh we both had uh interesting experiences that have caused us to be here in New Mexico on a horse ranch, uh-huh, <laughs> taking uh-huh. care of horses, it's a total break from our previous lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that this seems like, you know, I don't know if this is just me thinking this or, or just the energy coming to to us. But it seems like um, this is uh, happening at a bigger scale than just us. And you know, when it when it comes, maybe it will will have an opportunity to. To shake people up enough to to be able to do something with it in their own personal lives, which mm-hmm. you know, the more the more people do something with it in their own personal lives, the better it is yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so
2: greater happiness on earth, you know, it's the sum of each individual's choices.
0: Definitely, um, we're kind of also the the nodes, um, the north node and the south node of the moon. Uh, we are not astronomers. We didn't come to, uh, when we came to astrology, it was kind of like we had very little basis in astronomy itself and uh, just the the basic aspects of the moon and how it works. Um, But we had a, we were kind of curious about how the nodes um, interacted with you initially and why, why the nodes appeared to you in the way that it did to, to help, um, give evolutionary astrology, a uh, a deeper, I, I think you kind of ex- uh, talked about it a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, it seems like that's the real crux of, of where astrology might be headed, um, in the future, especially, um, you know, depending, we're working with our own combined chart and, uh, we have, a, a different North and South node mm-hmm. in our, in composite, our composite chart. Sure. Sure So we're like you know trying still trying to understand mm-hmm. how to um, to do to do to use energy properly uh, from the nodes.
2: Mm-hmm. Are, 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 your, your question about the uh, astronomy of the nodes or how to work with them, I was kind kind of hearing both pieces there.
0: Well, I, I think uh, the astronomy isn't as important. Uh, it's just more symbolic anyway. Um, but the nodes themselves, and how they relate to um, the future and and past lives, and how we can take that energy um, in our charts and our uh, combine our composite charts and and do the best we can with them um, to to uh, help our our uh, transformation to go from south to north node.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the that's really the great art of living right there from the. Astrological point of view, the uh, it, at the risk of oversimplification, the whole purpose of a person's life is to get to the North Node of the Moon. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything in the chart n- n- needs to be made to serve that end. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not mm-hmm. just the North Node, but uh, that, that really is the bottom line. And uh, it's it's helpful to remember that that the South Node, it, it's uh, the best. Single word I know for it is is habit, you know, just mm. habit, and and habits. You know, we got bad habits, we got good habits, we have kind of neutral habits, and the south note is not entirely negative. It's just simply reflexive and habitual. It's what we kind of automatically do, and mm. and and to 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 conquer that, it's like I, I think of somebody. Who who smoke cigarettes, you know? They're they getting a little rare in the world, but you know, they they <laughs> were smoking cigarettes a pack a day, and and they realize, you know, this is gonna kill me, this this isn't good for me. And and they they try to quit. It's, it's a friend of yours. And uh, you know, after like three weeks or something, you just hang out with them one day and you say, How are you doing with the cigarettes? And that person looks a little guilty, you know, and says, well, Saturday night, you know, I was at a party and, you know, I drank a margarita and I bummed a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And and we say, well, you know, it's been three weeks, right? Is that was the only cigarette you smoked in three mm-hmm. weeks. And your friend says, yeah, but I feel like such a failure. Did you smoke one today? No, not, not yet. I hope I don't. And, you know, you know what you're going to say? You're doing great. You're doing great, Mm -hmm. you know, because a a, a habit like that is hard to break. You know, Mm -hmm. we've all struggled with bad habits and, and, you know, we fail and and we have to forgive ourselves and, and just, you know, get back to it. Get back on the horse that threw you. That might not be your favorite metaphor, but you, you, you can see what <laughs> I've I, done it. Yeah, I bet. Well, good for you. And you know, it takes will. <laughs> it takes will to do that. So it, it's like this is a. It's an attitude of compassion, and towards ourselves, and a relentless commitment to evolution you know, we will keep getting back on that horse, you know, because mm. it's like I, I have literally, in the lives of people I, I've known personally, I have never seen anyone where where the, the fingerprint of the south Note of the moon wasn't totally visible in their life, you know? That, that, mm-hmm. that mistake, you know, is there. A, a line I use to make fun of myself, I, I, I say, there, there, there are lessons I have learned hundreds of times you know and everybody thinks about it for a second they giggle you know uh, of course am i learning well yeah but it's not easy so this compassionate self-acceptance is essential with the south node and 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 then to recognize the north node is is new behavior it's uh, you know we're, we're we're pretty much ignorant there at the North mm-hmm. Node, and and mm-hmm. so we're you know, we're going to make fool out of ourselves. We're we're sometimes we're we're going to not go far enough. Sometimes we're going to go too far. Like somebody with a Libra South Node and an Aries North Node. You know, you may know such a person. You know, learning <laughs> learning the Aries lesson. You know, how to how to use. Uh, how to use just enough force in a relationship. And so we Mm -hmm. could imagine such a person uh, slipping into the South Node pattern and, and in a relationship saying yes when they should have said no. To something Mm -hmm. you know just being too agreeable and and that makes them angry and resentful and the next thing you know the our our partner has has breathed wrong and we've likened them (laughs) to Adolf Hitler you know (laughs) you know and it's like that's too much Aries and and it's Mm -hmm. like forgive yourself forgive yourself and and uh, you know you're gonna learn to have grace with that that alien energy but you're just a beginner and, and so we, we let ourselves have that, that willingness to make mistakes, that willingness to experiment, uh, the willingness to fall on our bottoms and pick ourselves up and try again. That's the right attitude towards the North Node.
0: Excellent. That's, def- that's perfect. We, we, we are, we're coming to terms with that, for sure.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for that, yeah, Stephen. You're welcome. I guess maybe the last question would be about the future and what you, you know, we, we are torch bearers of this tradition and we are also innovators and we are going to carry this forward, yeah. you know, what you have passed on and, and and wanting to take it into the next iteration and, and just wondering what you would say to, to us and to everyone that's coming with, you know, coming behind
2: with this tradition. Well, uh, the world is uh, currently in obviously a pretty scary condition for, you know, let us count the ways. And whenever times are are hard, when the world gets scary, there's a, a large part of the population that becomes hungry for meaning hungry for some larger perspective you know some spiritual framework and and so the the time is is so ripe now for a spiritualized kind of astrology that that gives a concrete sense of meaning to our lives as the churches and the conventional religions are are losing so many adherents. This vacuum of spiritual hunger is opening up, and it's so synchronistic that that this evolutionary astrology uh, addresses that and and is is catching on in such a uh, such a powerful way. Uh, so, faced with faced with hellish circumstances as many of us are now, keeping a. Keeping a sense of personal meaning in your own life becomes difficult, but it also becomes really precious. And and uh, there are many ways people can have personal meaning, but, but the one that's been working for me all these years is doing this kind of astrology, working with people one at a time and, and, and just seeing them charged up with with faith that all that's happening in their lives is happening for a reason we give that gift to somebody and you go to bed that night knowing your life was meaningful so there's a there's a need for this in the world and it's helpful to others but it's also helpful to everyone who practices it
0: excellent that that's a, um, a hopeful message okay. that Thank we you. can take that we can take with us into our work that we will um Use we we want hope and we want um, love to be spread and I believe and feel that astrology, um, particularly with evolutionary and uh, the nodes of the moon, are central to this. And, and uh, it's our um, I think it's part of our duty to carry that forward. Yeah. And we have uh, taken it up, taken it up, and we have uh, decided. That it's part of our lives uh, and for others, and uh, we definitely thank you for um, using some of that Aquarius business uh, mm-hmm. throughout your life to uh, shine a light on how um, we can uh, see our own lives and our own work in in, um, in a way that will be helpful to others. Uh, so I'm just very grateful, and and I thank you for. Uh, having a conversation with us and talking about what it means to be um alive at this moment Mm. and and how we can um realize our own compassion and and carry that for forward together um into this new uh aquarius type uh energy
2: oh thank you for saying that i'm glad it was helpful
1: yes thank you very much steven thanks for for all of your work
2: Thanks.
0: All right. I think I think that's pretty much it. And okay. uh, thank you for listening. It was great um, talking
2: to you.